guys, welcome back to Lesson 56, Luke chapter 12. Uh, praise the Lord for teachers like Pastor Gordy and Pastor Tom and just their insight and the wisdom of the Lord just continues to use and speak through them. And so let's just make sure we're all on the same page. First of all, let's just make sure we still know who wrote the Gospel of Luke. Kevin? Dr. Luke. And then volume two would have been what? The book of Acts. And I love this. Here you have a doctor tying in volume one and volume two. And the whole point, literally from the Gospel of Luke and on, is that he's going to describe Jesus, and we're going to get into this today, as the Son of Man. So that he could connect with us, and yes, even connect with him. And in Luke 12, this is what really begins to happen. He begins to say, beware of the religious hypocrisy in verses 1 through 3. Uh, If there's anything that gets me more fired up, it's religious people and hypocrisy. which is why we need a move of God, which is why we need a true revival. And so the mentality should not be fear them. The scripture says from verses four through seven, we need to fear the Lord. We need to fear God. And as we do, the scripture continues on in verses eight and on. Just let's acknowledge who Christ is. In fact, it says in verse eight, and I say to you, anyone who acknowledges me before man says what? The son of man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. So as he is here on human flesh and that you acknowledge who he is, guess what? He acknowledges you before the Lord. Kind of a cool picture of of what this looks like now, just to make sure we're all safe. Uh, If you deny him, uh, not so good. I wouldn't play that game of, uh, you know, denying him or being ashamed of him. I think we should probably acknowledge who the son of man is. Then we get into the, the parable of the rich fool, verses 13 through 21. And then the good old passage, probably my life verse, and I'm tired of it being my life verse, is what's the cure for anxiety? <laughs> Don't worry, praise the Lord, we're not going to teach on that today. Uh, verses 22 through 34, but again, what's the end all of all that? To make sure in verse 31 it says, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Constantly through life, what's the goal? I mean, you guys, we've been, we've been talking about Revive School. Uh, you guys have been, some of you have been processing, how can I keep this pace of reading every single day? I think you overcome the worry and the anxiety by first and foremost seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness. And then guess what happens? He begins to show you how to do this. We don't always know how to do this. I mean, now let's face this, Rich, Kevin, uh, Jeff, Tom, I mean, there's a lot of behind the scenes to make sure that every day this goes out. I mean, to go every day, it's, it's kind of ridiculous, to be honest. That's why we need Tom's. Now we, that's why we need Gordy. I mean, we need these guys because, honestly, this is, this is quite a journey. It's a, it's a big, big journey. But why do we do Revive School? Why do we pound this out every single day? Because of what it says in verse 35. Because we want as best as we can for you, we want you to be ready. We want you to be ready for what? The return of Christ. We want you to be ready for service and have your lamps lit. I, I don't know how else to describe this. In Ephesians 4, the, the whole goal of an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, an evangelist, or a teacher is to equip the saints so that they can do the work of the ministry. And we want you, we want our team, we want our fellow pastors to be ready for service. Now, I think it would only be appropriate if we had a visual for this. How do you gird up your, yes, you ready for this one? Your loins. 
How do you be ready for service? So what am I going to do today in Luke 12? I'm going to give you four areas, four different areas that they, that Jesus gives us pictures of how we can be ready for the return of Christ. How we can be ready that at any given moment, he's coming back. Now, if you don't think he's coming back, just turn this off. There's no point in wasting my time or your time. I only want to talk to the people, I'm totally serious, who actually want to be ready for the return. I mean, think about this. Turn on Fox, turn on CNN. I don't care what you turn on, even if you listen to MSNBC. I don't care what you listen to. If you watch any news at all, you're like, dear Lord, something is changing around here. All of this, all of this, I don't care what you say. It all has to get us ready some way, some form of his return. So how do you gird your loins? Okay, so that's your first one I'm going to write down. Okay, Uh, I'll just write gird your loins. Can we go to our picture here? We got a fun graphic for you today. I think this is a really one. How do you gird? I can't believe we're going to use this for Revive School. I feel like this is a WWF. Folks, this is how we're going to gird up your loins today, right? So how do you gird up your loins? Well, compliments of the art of manliness, okay? Number one is, watch how these guys would have done this. This is actually really important, okay? The tunic wouldn't allow you to do heavy labor or fight in battle, necessitating the girding of one's loins. So this right now, he's casual, he's laid back. He's going to maybe eat. He's going to watch some TV. Okay, so then look. (laughs) I I wish I was wearing one of these right now. Number two, here's what I want you to do. I want you to hoist up the tunic, okay, so that your your thighs are showing. (laughs) Nobody wants to see my thighs. First, hoist the tunic up so that all the fabric is above your knees. This will give you mobility. Why? Because if you are, if if your tunic is down below, it's, it's, it's really hard to run, right? That's kind of the point, right? That's the issue that people have. So you got to pull them up, right? Third is, I want you to gather all the extra material. I don't care if you don't remember anything else. If you remember this image, we've won, okay? You want to gather all the extra material in front of you so that the back of the tunic is snug against your backside. Why is this important? Because then number four, watch this. Once the excess fabric is gathered in front, okay, then you're going to actually pull it between your legs like you're wearing a diaper. Okay, you with me? Notice your thighs and above your knees still showing. Okay, and you're going to pull between uh, your legs to your rear. This feels much like a diaper. You guys, do you think this possibly might be the best graphic we've ever yeah, used? It's working school? on it. Possibly. Sure. Okay, it's the most conversation I've ever had with you guys right now. This is great. So now it's on the backside. You're wearing your diaper esque. Gather each half of the material in each hand, bringing it back around to the front. Do you see how that works? So you're bringing it around, and then what do you do? You tie two handfuls of material together, and then you're all set, both for battle and some hard labor. Go forth, be ye men, and gird up your loins. All right, Kevin, why would we go through this picture right here in Scripture when it says in Luke 12, verse 35, be ready for service? Why is it important to go from one to number six? You go from a posture of relaxation and laying back to a posture ready for battle. Yeah. The sword. It's the sword. (laughs) It's the sword, right? Somewhere the sword came into play. Um, Jeff, okay, let's go to Jeff here. Where do you think the church is at today? Wow, man. (laughs) I mean, we're talking about uh, goins. Talk about girding up your loins. Where, where is overall the church? I think on the majority, the church is pretty relaxed. It's probably in one. They're, they're, even if they're relaxed, they might even be thinking about this. 
They might even be thinking about going through the battle or they're like, hmm, huh, it's a little awkward right now. But I'm telling you guys, when it gets to the point of being uncomfortable and getting ready for battle, this is where it's the game changer. And so when you see in Luke 12, 35, be ready for service, guys, I want you to have the understanding this is where we need to be every day. Put on the armor of God and be ready, be ready, be ready. In fact, it says in 35, be ready. And guess what it says in verse 40? You also be ready. So not only do you gird up your loins, not only are you ready for service, but then what does scripture say? Very clearly, he says, have your lamps lit. Now, in regards to having your lamps lit, I think it's interesting. Like I, I, I thought through the process, you know, you could have two images. One is all of a sudden there's no light, but then the other one is, is lit. Do you notice that it's already, already lit? I mean, how, how important is this? Is that to me, you don't have time to go find your matches. You don't have time to go find your, your, uh, lighter, Zippo. Yeah. yeah all Flint. those. Flint, 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 Bic. Bick. 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 I just think it's too late when you're looking for it. You already want to be lit. It's pretty self-explanatory, but I don't know. I think for me, when I think about the return of Christ, I don't think we really fully understand. Like, you guys, he's coming back. Be ready for service. Be ready for battle. And have your lamps lit. Okay? All right, we're going to keep going here if we can. Okay? All right, let's go to number uh, verse 36. Okay, watch this. Scripture says, You must be like people waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can open the door for him at once. So what do you have for number three? How do you get ready? You are servants. And who are you waiting for? Servants waiting for the master, right? And where was the master? He's at a wedding banquet. He's at a wedding banquet and literally the servants are here. And so your job, as meaningless as this almost feels, is to open the door when the master brings his bride. That's it. Your job is to open the door, unlock the door, open the door so that he can come in at once. It kind of kind of seems like a strange, a strange picture. But for me, it's it's pretty simple. In fact, Warren Wearsby says the Jewish weddings they were held at night. And the bridegroom servants were literally asked to wait for their master, sit by the window, and wait for them to come home with his bride. It'd be awful, wouldn't it? If the master came home and the servant was sleeping, and he had one job to let him in. You imagine how fired up that master would be, carrying the bride. He's like, this is all we asked you to do. Scripture says in verse 37, Those slaves, the master will find alert when he comes. Those slaves, the master will find alert when he comes, will be blessed. That's a cool picture. In other words, if you're faithful and obedient to the servant and to the task at hand, one day Jesus is going to come back and he's going to make an accounting of those who actually are ready and who served him. Kevin, can you go to Romans 14, verse 10? So first and foremost, there's servants waiting for the master. Okay. And what's going to happen when he comes back? But, but you, why do you criticize your brother? Or you, why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand 
before the tribunal of God. Just to go to one more point here, go to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. 2 Corinthians 5, 10 says, For we must all appear before the tribunal of Christ, so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or <laughs> worthless. He's going to come back. It's pretty clear. And it, we're all going to be put before the tribunal of Christ. He's going to evaluate whether or not we were alert. Now flip it. This is what's cool in verse 37, Kevin. Okay, the servants are ready to serve the master. But now he says, I assure you, this sounds so weird to me. I assure you, he will get ready, have them recline at the table. Isn't this cool? And then come and serve them. So do you catch the flip? The servants are ready for the master to open the door. We're going to let you in. But then all of a sudden, when he finds that you're accountable, when he finds that you're faithful, when he finds that you're obedient, when he finds that you're ready, Scripture says, now he serves you. It's the complete opposite of how we perceive the great king. But think about in John 13, verse 3. Kevin, would you go there? John 13, verse 3, it goes against our complete DNA. There's no way Jesus is coming to serve us. And Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God, and that he was going back to God. Verse 4. So he got up from supper. He laid him aside his robe, took a towel, and he tied it around himself. And look what he did. Verse 5. He poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, and to dry them with the towel tied around him. Verse 6. He came to Simon Peter who asked him, Lord, are, are you going to wash my feet? Verse 7. Jesus answered, What I'm doing you don't understand now, but afterwards you will know. And then in verse 8 he says, You'll never wash my feet, ever. <laughs> Said Peter. And Jesus replied, If I don't wash you, you have no part in with me. He's like, Okay, fine. Remember what he says? Wash my whole body. <laughs> He's like, Just pour it on. And there's a little glimpse right here in John 13, 3 through 8, of how Jesus actually came to serve us. And when you look, if you would, you guys, in verse 37, our job as servants is to wait for the master to serve him. But then when he comes, guess what? Scripture says he then serves us. You're kind of like, I don't, I don't know. But the reality is, is that faithfulness will be rewarded. You know, I think there's some people that they get so caught up on like, Oh, are you preaching workspace now? Or are you getting, are you getting caught up in legalism? Are you getting... No, Scripture says we will be rewarded for the things that we do here on earth. And so in verse 38, what is our job? If he comes in the middle of the night, okay, so now here you have another image. Okay, so your other image is, is first of all, gird your loins, lamps lit, servants waiting for the master, or you really have to start thinking of as the image of a thief, at night. Remember, the whole goal is for us to be ready. So at any time, we need to have this posture. And he says this, if he comes in the middle of the night or even near dawn and finds them alert, those sl slaves are, are blessed. So <laughs> there's the Roman year time frame. Okay, the Roman year time frame, look at this, says between the second and third watch, it could be between 9 p.m. and 3 a.m. Okay, this is when they would say he could come. 9 p.m. to 3 a.m. Or in the Jewish calendar, 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. The reality is, guess what? Dear Lord, he could just come at any time. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's a Roman calendar, Jewish calendar, American calendar. It's kind of all the same. But I want you to know this. If the homeowner had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. And you're kind of like, yeah, that's kind of obvious. 
but we never know when it's going to happen. And I think the reality is, is that we have to keep announcing over and over and over, he's coming back. Jesus is coming back. I don't think you can say that enough from the church pulpits. I don't think you can say that enough over the radio airwaves. I don't think you can say that enough in Revive School. Jesus is coming back at any given time. Kevin, can you go to Second Peter 3 verse 10? But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and on the day the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, the elements will burn and be dissolved, and the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. And then it continues on in verse 11, and it just begins to talk about what's going to take place. So remember this, in verse 10, He will come back, the day of the Lord will come back, this whole time frame will come back at any given moment. That's why He says in verse 40, You also may be ready, you also be ready, because the Son of Man is coming at any hour that you do not expect. I mean, really, you guys, this is really in reference to Daniel 7, verse 13 and 14. And I know Pastor Tom has talked about this, but let's go there if we could. Daniel 7, verse 13 and 14. The Son of Man is coming at any given moment. I continue, Daniel said, watching in the night visions. And I saw one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and he was escorted before him. Verse 14. He was given authority to rule and glory in a kingdom so that those of every people, nation and nation, uh, language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. Here you have a major prophet, depends how you look at Daniel, prophesying that this is going to take place. And guess what? Dr. Luke is saying the same thing. The Son of Man is coming at any hour that you do not expect. Can you go to 1 John 2, verse 28? Uh, so now, little children, remain in him so that when he appears, we may have boldness and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Like, I really don't want any hindrances getting in the way. I literally want my, my lamp, my light constantly burning. And so remember, Jesus comes to baptize us in the spirit and in the fire. Part of the fire that I actually believe, and take it for what it's worth, I believe that the fire is constantly burning the chaff, burning the, the, the chaff, the sin, the junk in our lives. Why? So that we can continue to be ready for Him. So that we're continuing to express the gifts that He's given us. And Kevin, you're right. We can't be the disciples that are like out cold sleeping. And in fact, Matthew, Kevin, go there. Matthew 26, verse 40. Three times, right? Three times Jesus is pressing in at the garden. He's at the cusp of, yes, getting ready to give over his life. And he comes back and he says, so you couldn't stay awake with me for one hour, Peter? Now in verse 42, guess what? Second time, he says, uh, actually, Kevin, go to, uh, yeah, again, a second time he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, you will be done. It continues on. And then he came again. Look what he did. He found his disciples sleeping again. They, they couldn't even keep their eyes open. And then it goes on for the third time in verse 45. Uh, verse 45, he came and he says, are you still sleeping and resting? I actually believe that if we're not careful, when the Son of Man comes back, <laughs> you ready for this? Are we sleeping? Romans 13, 11 says, besides this, knowing the time, it's, it's already the hour for you to wake up from sleep. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Probably one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Like, it's already time to wake up, church. It's already time, body of Christ, to wake up. Why? Because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. We need to embrace that He is, I'm going to keep saying this, He's coming back. 
I'll never forget David Maddox. Um, just, I love that man of God. He's now with the Lord. But Rich, I don't know if you remember, we were, I think it was Columbia, South Carolina. There was one service that I literally just kept saying, get ready, get ready, get ready. I mean, it was like over and over and over. And it was just like, are we ready? Are we ready? Are you ready, church? Are you ready? And it was just kind of like, when are you going to stop saying, are you ready? Are we getting ready? Do you believe you're ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? And it's just kind of like, why do you keep saying that? Because I have to get us to understand something. He's coming back and the challenge is, is that we want as many people as we can to be ready. Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And so here's what happens in verse 41. This is how I want to close today because I think this is a really cool picture. In verse 41, after Jesus has talked about getting ready, whether you're getting your loins, uh, girding your loins, whether your, your lamps are lit, whether your servants are waiting for the master or you're waiting for the thief at night, Peter says, okay, Lord, are you telling this parable to, are you telling this parable to us or to, to everybody? And then this is what the Lord does. He begins to describe, and I'm just going to say it, levels of faithfulness. There's no other way around this. And he says this, who then is the faithful and sensible manager? In other words, who is the faithful steward? Okay, who's waiting for the Lord's return? He says, who is the faithful and sensible manager his master will put in charge of his household servants to give them their allotted food at the proper time? That slave in verse 43, whose master finds him working when he comes will be rewarded. So if you are faithful, fair enough, what happens? You're rewarded. Okay, pretty obvious statement. Now watch this, though. He says, I tell you the truth. He will put him in charge of all of his possessions. Scripture says this, but if that slave says in my heart, my master is delaying his coming and starts to beat the male and female slaves and to eat and drink and to get drunk. Verse 46, that slave's master will come on a day. So in other words, when he when he is uh, blatantly disobedient, OK, he knows that his master's coming. But when he's blatantly disobedient, OK, so if we're going to say this. I should put this on here blatantly. In other words, you know exactly what you're doing. You know that Christ is coming back, but you don't really even care. Scripture says this. You should expect him at any hour. He does not know. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. Any thoughts on that one? (laughs) All I know is I'm I'm just going to write this. Okay. Cut him to pieces. You're faithful. You're rewarded. You're blatantly disobedient. Even if you know that the master is coming back, Scripture says you will cut him to pieces. There's all kinds of discussion on this one. Does this mean they're going into hell with the non-believers? Is this they just lose their rewards? I, I don't know. I'd love to tell you exactly what it looks like. And what it looks like to me is, is if you're placed with non-believers, where are non-believers? Not in heaven. Not in heaven. And then you're like, well, wait a minute. That sounds like it's works-based. That sounds like it's not faith alone. I totally agree. All I know is, is that the scripture says, if you're put with a place of unbelie- unbelievers, I don't want to go there. And the theology in me gets really wrecked right now. Because then all of a sudden you're saying, wait, wait, wait a minute. Are you saying I can lose my salvation? I'm not saying that. I'm just telling me, telling you that when it says you're going to be a non-believers, I don't want to be there. And it says blatantly, Kevin, go back to verse 45. You know that my master's delay is coming 
And so what do you do? You start to get drunk. You start to live a lifestyle completely contradictory to who Christ is. And I think that's the part that fires me up. They call him my master. They claim that he's in charge of their life. And yet the reality is their life doesn't reflect it at all. And according to that, Jesus says, you know what? Put him with the non-believers. Why do I go so drastic? Because I want us to get ready. I don't even want this to even be a concern or a thought. But I do want to say it does what it says in Scripture. If Scripture says you will be with non-believers. And I, don't, I can't wrap my mind around it, but I'm not going to avoid it either. So blatant disobedience, I would just say don't play that game. Now watch this, though. Scripture also says this in verse 47. And that slave who knew his master's will and didn't prepare himself or do it will be severely beaten. Okay, well, better than being cast out with the (laughs) non-believers. And so instead of blatant disobedience, okay, all of a sudden, what if you just have disobedience? Okay. In other words, you're not doing the will, but you're not radically going out, getting drunk and doing those things. Okay. And beating your slaves. But now you're just not doing his will. The scripture says, okay, you will be severely beaten. Okay. Now, is this in physical manifestation? Is this actually being expressed? I just know there's levels of rewards. That's all I can tell you right now. And so my goal is, is I want you to experience the fullness of what God has for you. That's it. Faithfulness gets rewards. Blatant disobedience, cut into pieces. Disobedience, you get beaten. Now watch this though. But if you claim the ignorance card in verse 48, but the one who did not know and did things deserving of blows will be beaten lightly. (laughs) So if you're an ignorant person, you just get beat lightly. How do you know which category you fit in? Anybody? Just make sure you're not in those down there. Just make sure you're not in those categories. Like, look, I'm, I promise you got to understand something in my communication here. I am not trying to convince you of works-based salvation. I'm not at all. I just want to make sure you understand. Scripture says he will reward those who's faithful. If you're blatantly disobedient, you're cut into pieces. If you're disobedient, you're beaten. If you're ignorant, you're beat lightly. Why do I want you to get ready? Because I really, really, really want you to experience faithfulness and being rewarded. Much will be required of everyone who's been given much. And even more will be expected of the one who has been entrusted with more. Okay, wow. That is a lot. So how how do we do all this? How do you not sleep and embrace Romans 13, 11? How do you gird your loins, lamps lit, servants waiting? What do you do with all of this? I love what BibleOrg.com. Bible.org said this. They said three things. It's super simple. Okay. One is, okay, one, how do you get ready? He must be your master. Number one, he must be your master. It's pretty self-explanatory because when he's your master, uh, you'll be faithful to him. Number two, guess what? I love this one. You must be his servant. How do you get ready? He's your master. Number two, you must actually be his servant. And then number three, pretty straightforward, live with expectation that what? He's coming back. You see, when you live like he's your master, when you live like you're his servant, 
When you live like with expectation that he's coming back, I'm telling you, there's nothing more exciting and you want to get ready. You actually want to gird up your loins and not feel bad about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't care if I'm wearing a diaper. You want to have your lamp lit at all times. You're ready to serve your master. And guess what? You're ready for the thief to come at night. You are ready. That's what we want because he will reward the faithful. Look, we read this. Pastor Tom read this. Daniel prophesied this. In Luke 12, verse 40, look what it says. Luke 12, verse 40, it just says, pretty simple. You also be ready because the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you did not expect. Luke 12, lesson 56. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you tomorrow.